to a new episode of Sports Up. This week we have quite a bit of news for you guys because NBA free agency is underway. But first, we want to talk about ESPN's OJ Made in America series. It was five episodes and it's currently on demand if you guys did not watch it. And if you did not watch it, just be warned that there are some very violent images in there, as MJ and I both know. But MJ, I know you and I were texting back and forth a bit about this already, but what were your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, after episode two, they made it available on the launch ESPN app. So I think I just stayed up all night and watched the other three episodes because this was extremely well done. Um, If ESPN doesn't win any awards for this, it'd be a robbery because this is an extremely well done documentary. I, when OJ happened and when uh, like the chase happened and whatnot, I was, I don't know, like super young. So like, I had no idea, you know, the backstory with the LA riots and um, basically OJ and how he was when he was in USC and then, you know, breaking the, the record and whatnot, it does an extremely well thought out on everything, especially post OJ. If you haven't seen episode five yet on what happened after the trial, that's even, that's as fascinating. Uh, Yeah. I just want to say that OJ had probably the best defense attorneys that ever, because this guy clearly did it. Like (laughs) the the evidence was so overwhelming, but the prosecution just couldn't drive that point home and they lost and he walked free. And I am, I mean, wow. Like given the evidence, like it was pretty much to me an open and shut case, but the given, but to what happened with LA and, you know, uh, the cops and the racial divide and whatnot. Like you could see why like people weren't necessarily for OJ because OJ, you know what I mean? Kind of distanced himself from the black community right. as much as you could, you know what I mean? Cause you know, if you saw that in the, what the, uh, the FX series and now and this, you know, he's like more like I'm OJ, you know what I mean? Like I'm not black, I'm OJ right. and whatnot. But just fascinating to see how they broke down the trial. And like, like you said, like the pictures of the crime scene, which I had never seen. Like I, I saw a couple, but I never saw, I never saw. All yeah. I never saw the, I never they saw the ahead. ones with the wounds. I just, you know, saw the overview of the crime scene, basically, you know, with Nicole face down and Ron Goldman kind of off in the bushes and the trees and stuff. But I had never seen them when they, you know, rolled them over and showed their actual wounds. And I think that was by far the most stunning part of those crime scene photos because it's just insane how, you know, bloody everything was and everything. And like you said, in L.A. at the time with how the cops were and everything, I think the cops not doing everything by the book in this case is really what allowed OJ's defense team to pick them apart. And I mean, Mark Furman would have happened 
either way, but they picked apart the criminalist and the guy who took the vial of blood to the crime scene. I mean, obviously, the crime had already happened, and OJ was already a suspect at that point. But it's like they just kept giving the defense basic, I don't want to say an easy out, but an easy way to pick them apart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when OJ cut his finger right, and gave three, three different stories, that right there should have been, okay, well, you know what I mean? And then him flying to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, th- all of that. And, and like I was telling you, I wouldn't, if I was the prosecution, I wouldn't have had OJ, and they said this in the documentary, try on the glove. In, in in the courtroom because of all the factors, like you said, it's plastic and whatnot. Like, it's not going to fit. And it didn't fit. And, and that's what you got. Yeah. And OJ, ev- yeah, even his agent admitted to telling him not to take his arthritis medicine so that his hands would swell up and he wouldn't be able to bend his fingers or anything like that. So that's kind of crazy. And, you know, obviously the agent feels really bad about that now because when OJ went on his downward spiral afterwards, he's just like, what did I do? You know? And I think, well, I found it very hard to believe that, you know, they ran so hard with the OJ was framed thing because, you know, the cops didn't kill Nicole and Ron just to frame OJ. It's like, who else would have possibly done that in that way? Who else would have been physically capable of doing that? that either Nicole or Ron knew, really. And, you know, the blood inside OJ's house, inside his car, it's like, how would the cops have just wandered into these places with no one noticing? See, the thing was, and especially how the, how the jurors were picked, uh, so much had happened with Rodney King and whatnot that there was really... And especially with Mark Furman and, and, and the tapes and that getting introduced, that there was just really no uh, confidence in the police at that time. So that little door, that door being open led for them saying, OK, maybe they did frame OJ because it, it's not it's like I said, it's not necessarily OJ. If you watch this whole thing is probably one of the worst people ever. Right. If there if there are a checklist of sins. OJ checked them all off before his 50th birthday or whatnot. He, he cheated on his wife with Nicole, who was 18 at the point. He was beating on Nicole even before the murder. So that should have been a red flag. And if you've read things about uh, domestic abuse, uh, you know, most of them like lead up to an instance like that where somebody ends up getting hurt or getting killed. And with the cops being you know, going to the house so many times before and not really taking it seriously, it could have led up to this point. But with the LAPD and and the racial tensions that were happening early in the 90s and whatnot, that's why people were so, you know, dismissive, like, oh, well, they're out to get, you know, another black man and whatnot, and not really looking at the evidence to the point where, like, okay, well, OJ was violent. OJ didn't have control of his emotions. Uh, OJ, it became more about OJ and not about Nicole. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, one of those instances, I believe they said Mark Furman happened to be the police officer called out to the house and OJ had a bat 
and was like holding it up like he was going to either hit Mark Furman or Nicole. And, you know, instead of pulling out his gun and just shooting OJ, like we've seen happen so many times recently, he grabbed his baton and convinced OJ to put the bat down. So to me, if you're looking at that, you know, sure, Mark Furman might be racist, but he didn't seem, you know, in that instance, quite as hateful because of how he handled that specific situation. And I mean, not personally knowing Mark Furman at all, it's hard to tell exactly what kind of person he was back when I was, you know, like one or two years old when this whole thing happened. So it's just crazy that people were comparing OJ to Rodney King because if anything, the cops never mistreated OJ. They just let him get away with everything. Yeah, I felt like... So to me, that seemed very backwards for the, you know, the general public's thinking. The prosecution should have kind of driven that point home a little bit. But at the same time, Rodney King did happen. The LA riots did happen. There was a lot of corruption in the LAPD, especially towards minorities. So for that to happen, and I think it was kind of Marsha Clark saying that, well, she can connect to to black women and stuff like that. And that kind of overpresumption hurt their, their case as well. Right. So like, and then like with Johnny Cochran, like hammering that drive, it, it became, like I said, it be, OJ kind of fell to the, you know, to the back and then things like Mark Furman and things like the evidence possibly getting tampered with and whatnot became the forefront. Like, it, like it, it bored, like you see like this reality TV show culture and stuff like that, where we look at everything surrounding the trial except for the circumstances. Well, that this is how it happened. Yeah. And it was crazy to me how little the jury deliberated when they went back after the trial. And, you know, I believe it was either less than or around four hours. And yeah, yeah. I get, you know, wanting to go home, but two people died. You know, you would think they would look over the evidence a little more closely instead of just, you know, walking in there. And they probably had their mind made up and didn't want to come out, you know, within like 30 minutes. So they probably just sat around for a bit, half discussing it, it seemed like. Because, you know, the one juror, I believe it was juror number two, she said, you know, we were by ourselves in the hotel the whole time so you had a lot of time to think about it but thinking about it and discussing it are two different things true uh i feel like like a, a lot of the jurors already kind of had their minds made up right I, I feel like you know they were gonna vote one way or another but like being like i said me us being older now and us seeing all the circumstances around it and what actually happened, you're like, oh, wow, you just kind of acquitted a murderer. <laughs> like, like, and what's crazy to me is that people still think he's innocent. I mean, some people are going to still kind of stay in their, you know, microcosms of, of thinking and whatnot, but like all the evidence was there, like the DNA evidence matched up. 
uh, like the alibi didn't work. And, and if you watch, like I said, if you watch the FX one, I think when the detective called OJ, um, and told them that, you know, Nicole was murdered and whatnot, he didn't even react. Right. Like surprised or, or like sad or whatnot. So that's a dead giveaway right there. There's just little things, but. If you look, like I said, if you see part five, it seemed like karma caught up with him with the downward spiral anyway. Yeah, I mean, for that robbery, clearly, you know, that was quite a large sentence for what happened. Considering, you know, the way they presented it, he wasn't the one who was armed. It was his friend who was, you know, licensed to carry a firearm. But yeah, the judge just kind of went in on him and gave him 33 years, which I don't, I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to complain about that, but if you pay attention at all to what he was doing, it's like, he didn't care about his kids. He didn't care about anyone. Felt like that was a makeup for, for, uh, the murder trial. Felt like yeah. that was, a, that was a sentence that, uh, okay. We could, we couldn't get you there, but we got you here. But even though he might be out on parole next year, but, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, enough of OJ for now. We've I know you and I both watching the FX series and this series have had a lot of OJ lately, but NBA free agency is underway. So we're going to dig into that a bit. Quite a few big deals have been made. And by big, I mean very large, lots of money. If they want to donate to MJ and I, we'd be good with that. <laughs> I, might, I might as well work on my jump shot. I could give you, you know, a good six minutes off the bench. That's all, that's all you need. Get so, a few points. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? <laughs> Let's, I'm going to give you the floor. Talk about the Lakers because, uh, you know, I, I feel like you, you need to get some stuff off your <laughs> chest. Go ahead. The floor is yours. All right. So, Mozgov was signed four years, $64 million. And I thought I heard that the fourth year was an option, but I'm not entirely sure on that because everything just keeps saying four and 64. But either way, you know, I don't see Mozgov as being that kind of player. And he hardly played during the playoffs for the Cavs. So yeah, sure, he has an NBA championship, but what did he really do to contribute to that this past season, you know? And then this morning, they signed Luol Deng to, I believe it was four years and 72 million. Yep. And while I like Deng a lot more as a player than I like Mozgov, I just, I don't understand why they're giving out these four-year contracts. I mean, I see a lot of teams doing three or four years, but these are teams that either are screwing up just as badly as the Lakers, like the Knicks, or, you know, they're trying to keep players that are actually worth that much money to them. And I think Lakers would have been a lot better off doing, you know, one-year deals plus an option for year two or just flat two-year deals with some of these players because as we know the cap space is still going to go up a bit next season and with players like Westbrook being free agents next summer obviously the Lakers have kind of shot themselves in the foot there and they couldn't even get a meeting with Kevin Durant whereas the Clippers had a roughly four-hour meeting with Durant 
this past weekend. So, yeah, I don't really know what they're doing. Right now, the only signing I really agree with them on is getting Clarkson for four years and $50 million because Clarkson was one of the better scorers this past season for the Lakers, even though they were horrible. And, you know, that's what, $12.5 million a year if you just keep it the same all four years. and Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, and, you know, he's one of the older young players that they have, but he's still really young. So he's going to continue to improve. And I think now with having Luke as coach, the young guys are really going to flourish under him because, you know, they'll probably get more playing time. Well, depending on what they do with Mozgov and Dang, which, you know, obviously the Lakers want to have a veteran presence in the locker room and that sort of thing. But you and I discussed this a little bit already. I think I would have preferred a retirement package for Powell to come back to the Lakers if they really wanted a veteran presence because at least Powell can generate some offense. You know, he wasn't too, too horrible after leaving the Lakers. And, I mean, you see Noah going to the Knicks for, you know, four years and 70-something million. And it's like he was probably worse than Powell at times on the Bulls. So it's just crazy to me how much they're giving these guys and how many years they're doing the contracts for. I'm going to throw out two names for you as I start here. Uh, Jeff Green just signed in the Orlando Magic one-year $15 million contract. Perfectly fine contract okay. if you ask me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, there is a free agent there that I really thought that the Lakers – I mean, if they couldn't get Whiteside. Whiteside wouldn't meet with them for whatever reason. I thought that he was he was going back anyway. But Bismack, Bismack Biombo is out there. He's 23, center. I thought that the Lakers were going to go this way. Yeah. Two days ago, we all woke up, and it was 12-01, and the ink wasn't even dry yet. But the Lakers had signed a guy who – his career high in points, 10, 10 points, seven, and he had seven rebounds. And that was two years ago. So, I mean, I don't – for the style that the Lakers are about to play with the younger players, you want to get up and down the floor. This is what Luke Walton is going to want to do. Yeah. Timothy Mozgov does not fit into and there's, that. He's a good rim finisher. Yeah. There's so many younger centers in free agency right now. You know, you have Plumlee, Zeller, even, you know, David Lee would probably be more productive than Mozgov, but you have Jared Sullinger as a free agent, and most of these guys still haven't been signed. Festus Azili. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm not really high on him, but I would, I would take him. You're going to run up and down the floor against a guy who couldn't get on the floor with the Cavs who did that. Yeah, I mean, I would so have taken Al Horford. Even, He's still available right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking with, I, I think, two teams, uh, the Thunder or the Celtics. I think he goes to Boston. But I, I'm i looking at that deal, and I'm like, why? You know what yeah. I mean? Plus, you now the Lakers wanted Luau Deng for a long time. This was this is back in the championship years when, when Kobe was still relevant and, and whatnot. Luau Deng, 12 points last year, five. Re, re, he had a little 
it was tough with the Heat because of how they played and whatnot, but Luau Dang, a good scorer. He's a good slasher and whatnot. He's in his 30s, though, and you gave him four years. I would have given him maybe a two-year deal, one-year guaranteed, and then an option for a second year. Probably would have gave that to Mozgov, right. too. The problem is with these long-term deals now, next year you have taken yourself out of contention to get two max level guys, which I thought the Lakers were, were going to do, especially with all the young talent you had. Yeah. So think about this. Jim Buss has to go. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Buss. Him and Mitch. <laughs> probably. Yeah. If Mitch had something to do with these moves, which I mean, he's the GM. So, I mean, I guess so, but they got to go. It's it. I don't, I mean, Wow. You have a great young nucleus with Ingram and Clarkson and uh, Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell. Not sure what's going to happen with Nick Young, but he's still there. Yeah. And uh, Larry Nance Jr. coming off the bench. Larry Nance Jr. And but and you could and you sign Mozgov to four years of 64 million. Okay. Uh, I like I would even try to sign Joe Kim Noah. Why not? He, he's a fiery guy. I don't really know what he's going to really give you night in, night out, because he's been injured. But I, listen, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Like I, the Lakers were basically bidding against themselves because I don't really know what teams were kind of trying to outbid them for these two. No one. <laughs> but yeah, so like I, I don't know. This is. I, I guess the Lakers are trying to tank next season Yeah, I, to try to get another number one pick. I mean, I guess that would be the best scenario and whatnot. Um, let's move on a little bit and let's talk about the Knicks if you want to. Yeah, uh, I mean, we mentioned the Noah deal and they had the Derrick Rose trade before free agency began. So those two will be reunited, reunited with the Knicks and... I don't I don't really know what the Knicks are doing either. I feel like the Knicks and the Lakers are just kind of like, hey, we have money to spend. Let's just throw it at whoever will take it. And now the Knicks are talking with Dwayne Wade now. From what I'm hearing. So, I mean, yeah, that would be interesting. What do you think that? Yeah. What do you think that? Uh, Derek Rose would give the Knicks. Do you think that he's going to be close to what he was? Do you think that it's. His days are behind him. You know, I really think whatever happens with Derrick Rose will have a lot to do with what happens with Carmelo Anthony during the season. Because, you know, Carmelo's a guy who wants the ball. And when you have Derrick Rose as point guard, he kind of needs the ball to excel. You know, his driving to the rim and everything. And I think that's really more of his strong suit than, say, outside jump shots and everything. So I really feel like it depends on what kind of chemistry him and Carmelo end up having if they are, in fact, on the floor together a lot. And obviously, I don't really know how they plan on using Porzingis and Noah together. So I feel like the Knicks have a lot of things to work out right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel like you do. I feel like... The Knicks didn't have any draft picks this year, so they were just kind of just throwing money at whoever. Right. Um, now they're talking about <laughs> – they're also talking about uh, 
signing Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. So now the Knicks are becoming a big operation type, uh, like like the the board game, like where you just try to like take bones out of the guy <laughs> to try to repair him because everybody's hurt. I mean, you got no the shoulder, which I, I mean, I'm not really stressed about the shoulder, but you have Derek Nose Rose with the knees, Eric Gordon with the knees. So, uh, and Carmelo Anthony's been hurt the past couple of years. I mean, I think with this lineup, they get into the playoffs. I don't know. I, we'll see. I mean, I just hope that it doesn't stunt Kristaps Porzingis' growth. Like, I, I hope that, like you said, with Derrick Rose, he he needs the ball in his hands yeah. a lot. So, like, that's him and Carmelo who's gonna who are gonna need the ball. So that's less for Kristaps. So I I don't know what do you think out of these past two days? What is the most outrageous free agent deal that you've seen? Oh, that has to either be Conley, DeRozan, or Beal easily, because you know they all got well over a hundred million. Mike Conley got five years, one fifty three. DeRozan got five years, 139, and Bradley Beal got five years, 128. And to me, that is insane, especially, you know, for Mike Conley. I like him a lot as a player, but I don't know if paying him that much money is going to make the Grizzlies any better, you know. (laughs) He's the richest contract ever. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and it makes me laugh because so many people were upset that Kobe was, you know, getting his 25 million his last couple of years. And it's like, the dude has five rings and is Kobe Bryant. Like, let the man get paid and retire. (laughs) So, and then you have, you know, this insane increase in the salary cap this year. And these contracts are just outrageous for players who would have never never had contracts like this before because you know it was Mike Conley even ever on an all-star team or anything no never and he's getting this insane deal good player yeah great yeah great point but 150 million 153 million for five years yeah mine uh is Matthew Dellavedova Matthew Dellavedova has a four-year, $38 million contract. My friend on Twitter said that if, well, if Matthew Dellavedova is getting $38 million, then hell, I might as well go to the gym and just start putting up a 1,000 shots. <laughs> and I agree. Yeah. Because what the hell? Matthew Dellavedova could not get on the floor in the playoffs for Cleveland Cavaliers. Instead of – he can give you trying to hurt people because uh, he was notorious for that in a year ago. And maybe defense, but I think that, like, that defense has been put to bed. Other than that, for Milwaukee, I, I don't know what – what is he going to do for you. And LeBron tweeted out, uh, thank you for everything. <laughs> so LeBron, the GM, has spoken. <laughs> and he's not there. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to match that. And – Rightfully so. They're probably going to give a lot of that money to J.R. Smith, I think. But that's insane. $38 million for Delvin. I, I don't – wow. And Solomon Hill, too. Four years, $50 million for uh for four points. 
for four for four points a season. Great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Joe Johnson, two year, twenty two million. That guy just keeps getting them checks. He, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, I like you know what for the Jazz, I like that deal because he could give you something. Yeah. And it's not. I mean, it's only eleven million a season. It's not you know the ridiculous contract that he had uh, for Brooklyn. Right. True. But uh, yeah, I mean that's a little bit better. I know you. Boy, Dwight Howard just got three years and seventy million with the Hawks. Yeah, I don't. I don't know so, what to do about that. <laughs> yeah, I apologize to my friend who's an Atlanta fan. I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know how you feel about this, but as a Lakers fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> if he okay, he's going back home to Atlanta. If he can't get it right in Atlanta, I listen. Like you're gonna be an option there. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna be like you're gonna have to be an option there yeah. because you're gonna play the Cavs. Uh, I know they're shopping Paul Millsap because they want to get Al Horford back, but that's two centers. How are you gonna? You know what I mean? But yeah. And Chandler Parsons' deal was pretty crazy. Four years for almost ninety-five million to the Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies are just throwing money, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't even know that they had. I didn't even know they had the money. I, I like. They must have been hiding it somewhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they. I mean, you got Gasol, you got Zeke, Chandler Parsons, and Mike Conley. If they could all stay healthy, that's actually a pretty good. I mean, that's a good starting lineup. But I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be good enough to beat like the Warriors or uh, the Spurs or whatnot, as they all court Kevin Durant right now. Uh, where, yeah, just to finish up, where do you think Ken Katie goes? Part of me is hoping he stays with Oklahoma just because I would hate to see him on the Clippers. Like that, I just would not want to be anywhere near LA for that. <laughs> and what's crazy to me is they were pitching him on a big four with him, Chris, Blake, and DeAndre. And I don't see how they have the money to do that. I thought you know, they would have to give up either Blake or DeAndre to make Kevin Durant even happen on the Clippers. But they were pitching him a big four idea. And I was like, are they just going to pull another max contract out of thin air or what here? Yeah, I don't I don't know how that works either. I guess he would have to take less money. Their bench would be horrendous they would to... if they get KD, though. Like, their bench is already pretty bad. And if they, you know, give a good chunk of that money to KD and have to get rid of some of their current bench players. It's like, who is going to be on your bench? Wouldn't you have to give up JJ Redick? I think you would have yeah. to and not, not resign Jamal Crawford and, oh yeah, they wouldn't have a bench. <laughs> uh, yeah, like even more so than what they have. And I, I think, I think Austin Rivers is a, is he a free agent? He, he might be. I don't know if you even sign him back, but uh, the Warriors, I know they pitched them for two hours. The one that he said was blown away was the Clippers, which was, which kind of, I was like, oh, wow. Because they said Steve, Steve Ballmer was crying in the meeting, which is, uh, that's a little alarming to me. But, uh, I don't know. I, I would think that Oklahoma City can give him the most money. 
with all the acquisitions they got, and they're trying to clear space to get four for two. I think that team is built to win for years if he goes back. And I think if he goes back, I think Russell Westbrook decides to go go right. back. So I don't know. I think I think it's down between the Clippers, the Heat. I don't really see why the Heat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's the Clippers, OKC, maybe the Warriors, the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs, I'm like, do they have cap <laughs> to even get him? But, I mean, with the cap going up next year, I don't know. But, I, yeah, I think it's down to these, those three teams, but I think he ultimately – decides to go back home yeah I think we'll definitely have to do a second episode on NBA free agency here because quite a few big names still haven't signed obviously everyone's expecting LeBron to stick with Cleveland after winning but we still have you know Kevin Durant yeah Dwayne Wade Dirk is gonna stay with Dallas I don't see Dirk leaving Tim's gonna stay with the Spurs but you know there's still quite a few players that it'll be interesting to see where they end up, especially, you know, with the Warriors needing to probably choose between Azealia and Barnes. I'm interested to see what they do there. And I believe I'll let them both go. Yeah. Murray Spates is also a free agent. Could have got see the Lakers could have got Spates. I would I would have gotten Spates. Yeah, I I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know at this point. <laughs> but there's still, you know, a lot of guys who need to either resign or sign elsewhere. A lot of the Spurs, I think, we're expecting will stay because, as I mentioned, Duncan's a free agent, Ginobili's a free agent, and I think Boban is a free agent. But he, you know, he was he yeah. was pretty good when they put him in. So the Clippers do have a lot of free agents, though. Crawford's a free agent. Aldridge. And Austin Rivers With is, no money. yeah, Wesley Johnson is. So it's like their entire bench is in the free agency market right now. And yeah. if they try and get Kevin, it's just like they're not going to be able to resign, I would say, all but maybe one of those guys. Maybe Austin Rivers. Uh, uh, yeah, because, uh, <laughs> by default. <laughs> if you talk, yeah, if you talk to some. Clippers fans or stuff like that. He's the second coming of, I don't know what. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. And like I said, we'll probably do another NBA free agency episode. I know NHL has their free agency right now too. So maybe we'll dabble a little into that because some, some big things happened. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys as usual for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Yep. See you then. Uh, everybody just work on that jump stop so they get that money. <laughs> Definitely.